is All India Radio. In the weekly program Current Affairs, we now bring you a discussion on Prime Minister's address to the UN General Assembly. The participants are Commodore C. Uday Bhaskar, Defence Analyst, Nilova Roy Chaudhary, Journalist, initiates and moderates the discussion. Good evening, Uday. Um, Prime Minister Narendra Modi gave this fairly statesmanlike address today at the United Nations General Assembly in which, as expected, he didn't say anything about, he didn't use the term Pakistan, nor did he use the term Kashmir, and he spoke very positively in terms of all of the developmental agendas and programs that the government of India has initiated. He did speak about terrorism, of course, for the sake of humanity, but uh, given the tenor of the Prime Minister's speech this evening. What was the most salient point for you emerging from this particular statement? I would say that if we look at Prime Minister Modi's address to the United Nations General Assembly today, it was all of 18-19 minutes. And I heard it as he was speaking as it was beamed on television. And I think the central feature is that he spoke in a very self-assured manner. And the way in which I think he framed his remarks to the global body were appropriate to my mind in relation to the expectation that when you are addressing the UN, I think the global community would expect that there would be a certain resonance with issues that have a international or global relevance. And I think Prime Minister Modi did well to keep the tenor and the nature of his remarks as being very constructive and forward-looking and yet rooted in what you might call as the Indian ethos or the Indian experience. So in that sense, if you say what was the big takeaway, you know, for me as an Indian citizen, and I'm sure we are talking about millions of Indians who would have been similarly listening to the Prime Minister, that the message was one of a very positive, constructive vision for the world, where the central theme, if you recall towards the end, he again reiterated the need for a very, very deep commitment to multilateralism, which I think in reference to the UN as a forum, and the more recent developments of the last year plus, where there has been considerable discord and a certain divisiveness as far as the global community is concerned across the board on a range of issues, whether we talk about trade wars, for instance, between the United States and China, a lack of consensus, for instance, on issues like climate change, or the fact that in Europe today, there is so much of disarray on a number of issues and we are not talking about Brexit alone. Similarly, one could look at Latin America, Africa, parts of Asia, where there has been the inability, if you will, of the global community to be able to manage, I'm not even talking about solve, but just manage the kind of turbulence that has been engendered over the last few years. I think it's in that framework that Prime Minister Modi's remarks, you know, came across as a the, I would say, statement or the remarks of a very self-assured leader. He also drew attention to the fact that he has the support and the mandate of the Indian people because of his very emphatic 
Indeed. electoral victory. So I think that's the frame in which I would locate Mr. Modi's address at the UNGA. And of course, when he speaks in Hindi, you know, he's a very, I would say, convincing and very persuasive speaker. It comes to him naturally. So I think he was able to come across in a very, very positive and self-assured manner. The <clears throat> one particular thing that struck me about the speech that he made was the fact that he was not only speaking for India, as it were. It was the, the repeated emphasis was that we do these things in India, but we also do it for a larger, wider global audience. And, and, and we sort of try and incorporate other developing countries as best practices within our country, and we hope to spread the best practices from all of these developmental programs to the uh, greater world at large. Stressing on this issue of non-violence particularly, I think he gelled the uh, you know, 150th birth anniversary of Mahatma Gandhi and the abiding uh, sort of relevance of the issue of non-violence and ahimsa and brought that into today's context. Uh, again, talking about the Buddha as being one of the major um, sort of gifts that India has given to the world. He said, we give the world Buddha, not Yudh. So all along sort of trying to emphasize the peaceful path. Again, Swami Vivekanand's address uh, at Chicago in the Parliament of Religions about uh, harmony and peace being the underlying themes of uh, Indian foreign policy up to today. Now, having said that, Prime Minister did not mention any countries per se by name, and very rightly so, but clearly there was an indication that look at what we are trying to do in terms of, you know, not just development, but peace, trying to foster peace, and, you know, uh, whereas there are countries that have the agenda of spreading war and spreading terrorism as a kind of warfare against others. So the world needs to be a lot more united in the fight against terrorism. Now, would that be a correct assessment? Well, I think, again, you know, this was something I'm sure that there must have been a lot of thought to this as to how will the Indian Prime Minister, in this case, Mr. Modi, use the time allotted to him. And we are familiar, I mean, you've covered this for years, that there have been occasions when the India-Pakistan reference has become very sharp. And there have been, as I said, occasions when even the global community, you know, was uh, differently expressing its own disappointment when India and Pakistan have been exchanging such sharp words at the UN in the annual General Assembly deliberations. This time around, I think, given the backdrop that Prime Minister Modi was coming to New York after having had a very successful visit in Houston, where we had the Howdy Modi event, and subsequently his own meetings in Washington, you know, where there were bilaterals. And we are aware that President Donald Trump had also met with the Pakistani Prime Minister. So there was, I would say, a certain backdrop of both the India-Pakistan relationship, Kashmir and all of that. But I think the, if you look at the sequence of events, the Indian Foreign Minister, Dr. Jay Shankar, in his own remarks over the last few days, I think had addressed and quarantined this issue, if you, you know, would like to, if one could put it that way, because I think the very kind of formulation that he had advanced about Pakistan and terroristan had, by and large, I think, 
place this whole issue and Pakistan's role in the appropriate place. In Mr. Modi's remarks, and I think this was the uh, very prudent and a positive kind of approach, which is that he did not get drawn into any specifics. In relation to Pakistan, if you notice, there is no reference to Pakistan as a country. And yet, there is a reference to the challenge of terrorism. Mm -hmm. And again, I think the point he's made repeatedly, it was there even in the first five years of Modi 1.0. And we saw this again today in Modi 2.0, where he's exhorting the global community to say that on the issue of terrorism, there should be no dissonance. That there is a need for us as the global community to come together and see how we can deal with this. And if you recall, he even identified terrorism as the greatest challenge. And he's saying this in New York. New York is the city that has borne the brunt of 9-11. And the anniversary, you know, this time we had observed the 18th anniversary of 9-11 had just been observed a few weeks ago. So I think that also was particularly poignant. And whether or not the global community would be able to actually forge that consensus, I think is a question mark. It has remained elusive for many years. But the other thing which struck me was that there was a lot of focus on the development effort that he personally has been associated with and the way in which that could be extrapolated and scaled up in the larger global context. Now, for instance, you know, the whole question of sanitation and health. Now, that is a very big development issue. And I think he drew attention to the kind of work that is being done in India under his leadership, the number of toilets, the number of, you know, the amount of money that has been allocated. And I think there is a message there that when we talk about the global challenge of health, then this is a very important kind of building block. And in like fashion, the plastic issue and climate change, I mean, these are things that India is now doing in a very concerted way. And I think he's sharing his experience. I thought these were the more I would say enabling aspects and features because anybody who would look back, I mean, I think we also need to remind, remind ourselves and, you know, also say that when you look at the UNGA, it's an annual affair. Mm. You're a diplomatic correspondent. You've done this for years. So there are almost 150 to 160 leaders who are speaking and their, you know, respective remarks are circulated and people look at takeaways. If somebody as a foreign diplomat were to look at Mr. Modi's speech, Prime Minister Modi's speech today, I think there would be a number of takeaways which countries can take back to deliberate upon. And I think that is the USP of the Modi approach today. As you already pointed out, he had pressed all the right buttons mm. about where the world should be looking. And he invoked, for instance, Swami Vivekananda and the basic kind of Indian commitment to peace and harmony. He recalled the Chicago address. And then he also drew attention to India's contribution of Gautam Buddha and the message of Buddha, which again harmonizes with Mahatma Gandhi and the 150th anniversary. So these are all normative. You know, they are motherhood apple pie. And I think for the global community to have a political leader uh, of the world's largest democracy making these observations, I think is very desirable. And yes, there has been this question about, you know, the fact that Pakistan has been trying very hard to draw attention to Kashmir. And I think that was also handled or accommodated in terms of what India is doing. And that if there is a country that is invested in 
the export of terror, then there is, you know, certain issues that India would or the country that is being subjected to would have to take. And if you recall that particular line in his speech, he talks about Akrosh, yes. that if we are subjected to, that there would be a very determined kind of, shall we say, response to these issues. And I think that's the way in which, as I said, without going into specifics, he was yet able to convey, I think, the Indian experience. And I'm sure that there would be various interpretations about, you know, what has been included in his remarks and what has not been included. But on balance, I would still say that he has used it without getting drawn into or sucked into the kind of specifics that I think I'm sure the Pakistani Prime Minister would be dealing with in his, you know, focusing on in his own remarks. One of the things that particularly struck me also was the fact that he used the UN forum to sort of lay emphasis on all of the UN uh, mandated sustainable development goals. I mean, you know, health, sanitation, clean environment, all of these things. So, I mean, to that extent, it was actually a very statesman-like uh, address befitting the venue as well as the occasion, you know, because at the UNGA, the general tendency over the past several years has been to reduce it to, uh, you know, I am the victim of X and so-and-so is the perpetrator of Y. You know, the, a lot of countries tend to get into this kind of tutu mama kind of situation. So for the Prime Minister to first, you know, emphasize his democratic credentials right up front and say, this is what happened, and I have 130 million people, uh, 1.3 billion people behind me, uh, is right at the outset supposed to send this message that, you know, don't accuse us of being arbitrary or not having support. I've come through the largest democratic exercise in the world. So having said that, he laid it right up front, I think, and then he went in, into these sustainable development goals and, and, and as you rightly said, that uh, pressed all the right buttons. But having said that, um, it is a fact that the United Nations General Assembly is a forum where you also state your specific country-specific kinds of issues that, that, you know, the kinds of problems that you face. Now, is that something that he omitted to do here today, do you think? No, I actually, you know, Niloa, I, I would sort of frame this in the following manner, that what you have pointed out about the opening section of his remarks you know, he did make this point very, I would say, emphatically that he has won a major electoral victory and he has the support of, you know, 1.3 uh, billion Indians in terms of the electoral experience. And I think, again, my reading of this is that Prime Minister Modi is addressing a global audience after August 5th. So there is, I think, a certain domestic political context which relates to Kashmir and Article 370 and I think it was important for him to reiterate especially after Houston and the kind of remarks that we have seen in Washington DC not necessarily only from the US government or State Department but also from what you might call as the dominant media in the United States and other parts of the world. So to that extent I think this was important for him to remind his audience that he is coming here as the elected leader, 100 and, as I said, 1.3 billion Indian citizens and all of that. 
Having said that, on the specifics, I thought that there was one important point that Prime Minister Modi made, that at a time when the global community is trying to grapple with climate change, and we had a very, very strong and visible kind of impact made by this young Swedish girl, Greta, and the global community is now cognizant, you know, in a way that it wasn't earlier, about the immediacy of climate change, and also a sense of helplessness that even as the global body was deliberating, all kinds of dire news was coming that the Alaskan ice had completely melted for the first time in thousands of years maybe. Similarly, that large glaciers were collapsing and, you know, the anxiety about sea rise, climate change. Prime Minister made a reference to all of that in his remarks and I thought one important kind of observation he made was to say that India's own contribution to the global footprint in terms of carbon emissions is very modest. But what India is committed to is to do as much of the heavy lifting as we possibly can in terms of finding solutions. And if you recall, he also spoke about the kind of progress India is making in renewable energy. So to my mind, the solar, international yeah, yeah. solar and you know how India is committed to that. I thought this was important because I think at the end of the day, the climate change issue can only be addressed by the collective will of the people of the world. Much of it has to do with lifestyles, with choices, as simple or as, I would say, ubiquitous uh, kind of issue as whether you'll pick up a plastic bag for your shopping or you'll say, no, I will not, I'll carry my jute bag wherever I go. I think this is the kind of change that has to be brought. And if, and I'm saying this as an extrapolation, hypothetically, if India and China which have the largest demographies of single states, both of them are 1.3 plus billion kind of citizenship, that we are talking about 2.5 billion people in the world who if they are persuaded by their own political leadership to adopt a certain approach towards climate change, it will make a huge difference. And I thought Prime Minister Modi pressed the right buttons over there, but again, let me not sort of uh, uh, not mention or not forget to mention the fact that these are very, very important statements being made at a global forum. At the end of the day, they have to be translated into action in the domestic context, whether it is for China, whether it's for India, for the rest of the world. I thought this was important. And the other issue, which again, I thought needed to be flagged was, he spoke about CDRI. Mm -hmm. The CDRI, as you know, is India's own, again, you know, encouraging or sharpying, if you will, the global community to suggest that we should look at a coalition for disaster relief infrastructure. Now, I was very, I would say, encouraged and happy that the Indian Prime Minister is making this point because we are aware now that with our own experience in India, whether we talk about floods, we talk about drought, we talk about natural calamities, the disaster relief and the need for the state to acquire enhanced capacity for these calamities is very critical. And I think what Prime Minister Modi was trying to say is that we also have to harness technology in a collective way. That national effort is not enough and therefore this particular coalition is talking not so much about providing immediate relief but about having the infrastructure in place. Now this is a very wide spectrum. It can be defined in different ways. I would say that just taking the Indian experience and this is likely to be an abiding challenge for the next few decades, floods, 
unseasonal rains. This is all over the world. It's not just India. We've had so many thousands of people being marooned, uprooted from their homes, dying and so on. This is all a part of the climate change Yeah, climate change, process. exactly. That's exactly. the point. So what's going to happen now, as I see it, is that, you know, since climate change cannot be controlled immediately or re reversed in a very quick manner, we will have to prepare for these worst-case scenarios. And that is where I think the CDRI, as the Prime Minister Mr. Modi mentioned in his remarks, is an important, and this is the kind of thing that Mr. Modi is very good at. You know, he is able to, I think, weave a number of complex ideas and issues and project them in a very persuasive way. But as we have seen in the first term, I think the challenge both in relation to the big ideas, which are for the global community, and those which are India-specific, the real sort of challenge is going to be able to implement, you know, as and when all these leaders leave the UNGA. I think these are the kind of issues that we need to focus on. One more issue, since I have, you know, served in the military, I have wanted to mention this. I hope you don't mind and allow mm -hmm. me this opportunity. Yes. He also drew attention to the UN peacekeeping. Yes. Where again, you know, I think the point he made was that, you know, he drew attention to the fact that when you look at the UN peacekeeping effort, India's contribution is right up there, you know, at the very top. And this, of course, is an anomaly that I have personally been sort of, you know, trying to flag each time to say that if you look at the last 50, 60 years, going back to the Korean War, mm -hmm. you know, which is the mid-50s, we had India there. We had Indian troops there. We had Indian soldiers shedding blood. Of course, it's a different matter that India is not involved in the decision-making about where to send UN troops. That's why we have the G4 and, you know, whether or not the G4 will go anywhere, that's a different yeah. story. But I think Mr. Modi did well to, again, remind the global community that as far as UN peacekeeping is concerned, India is there. And again, this is going to be, I think, a, a commitment that the member states have to do about how many, you know, personnel, how much of financial resources they are going to bring for UN peacekeeping because any of the current global hotspots, whether you talk about Syria, West Asia, Afghanistan, parts of Latin America, Africa, I think the world needs a dedicated kind of body which would be able to at least ensure a modicum of peace before anything else can start. So these I think, for some, I mean, how much can you do in 18 minutes I think is a reasonable kind of thing. He packed a lot. He did pack a lot, yeah. actually, because the other thing that uh, sort of largely went unnoticed, perhaps, was the fact that he also talked of, you know, you mentioned it in the context of the CDRI, but harnessing technology for the greater good, and that's something that he's tried to do, in, uh, certainly in the neighborhood, in terms of India's space efforts. I mean, I mean, he didn't specifically mention it here, but I think, you know, he kept emphasizing the fact that best practices from all around, from all of the developing countries is what we're trying to emulate and what we're trying to spread. So the act, uh, he also subtly hinted that, you know, it is high time for uh, the multilateral agency, the United Nations, to recognize the fact that the world has changed somewhat since 1945 and uh, seeking, obviously seeking a larger role. I think the whole context of the UN peacekeeping forces was... Uh, sort of towards that end. Now, having said all of that, again, at the end of the day, the United Nations General Assembly becomes this um, sort of platform where countries tend to vent their ire. So to that extent, Prime Minister Modi's speech, to, uh, the address today was very, very different because there was no real ire expressed. 
it was uh, a bit of there was a plea that you know terrorism should not derail the development effort uh, w- would that be a correct no, i think so it was very forward looking mm-hmm. and i think he did not want to get as i said drawn into any of these whirlpools of negativity if you will and one point again nilo i thought was that the focus on people centric you know big ticket items and again if you recall the way in which he framed it he spoke about his own commitment to the way in which he talks about the jan kalyan which is the development of the people and then he extrapolates it to jag kalyan meaning that this is international so the pitch or the message is there that what india is doing is not just about india and its own people but there is a global resonance but he also closed if you remember on peace and harmony mm. where he talks about vivekananda mm. swami vivekananda and his own as i said address in chicago and how india itself is committed to peace and harmony and he also in passing towards the end spoke about his own sabke saath sabka vikas and sabka vishwas you know these are slogans that are associated with prime minister modi and i think this is the challenge when he is also going to come back and he'll have to sort of acknowledge this or face this which is that there is a larger kind of you know global at this point in time effort one led by pakistan which is to denounce and cast india in a very negative light because of august 5th and there is also an empathetic you know i would say larger community of well wishers of india who are all looking at india they are observing the events of the last 6 7 weeks and trying to see how things are going to shape and i think that is the issue that for prime minister modi would be a need for him to demonstrate that when we talk about peace and harmony in the unga and his own commitment and jan kalyan jat kalyan and all i would say the normative ideas and the kind of statements that he is making as the indian prime minister that when he is back in india and we are looking at what is happening in jammu and kashmir that this particular template would also be implemented and i think that is going to be to my mind going to be the larger global challenge for him also in terms of his own image right and his own profile as a global leader and concomitantly i think india's own profile because india is associated with the democratic impulse and the commitment to you know all the normative kind of ideals and values that we associate and this mind you is in the run up to 150th you know anniversary exactly. of mahatma gandhi exactly. so these all i think harmonize and i think prime minister modi again in a very persuasive way invoked and connected all these i would say issues and linked them in a appropriate manner for a global audience so it is this part i think that is going to be that not only the implementation but how india is going to rise to its own hmm. expectations as the world's largest democracy i think that's what the prime minister was suggesting in his remarks at the unga and uh, i mean if anybody heard uh, the speech of the pakistani prime minister subsequent to the indian prime minister well, i, I mean, must I, confess i, I haven't so <laughs> uh, it, it was i did and it was fairly shocking i mean i even i didn't expect that the pakistani prime minister would sort of stoop to the levels that he did it was it was uh, distasteful at best and uh, so to that extent i think uh, particularly in contrast with that particular speech um that that our western neighbor prime minister gave it 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 came out as genuinely a kind of a statesman like address whereby you 
you know, connected all of the positive dots, as you sort of repeatedly emphasized the fact that there was no negativity in this entire uh, exercise today. All of these positives, you know, Gandhi, Buddha, Swami Vivekanand, peace, harmony, UN peacekeepers, all of these things, I think uh, India sort of comes out smelling of roses to a large extent. But again, as you very rightly point out, when he comes back to India, the most important part is that he sort of gets to implement a lot of what he has put out there on the global stage. No, no, absolutely. A last word, if I may. You'll remember that at one point, President Obama's wife, Michelle Obama, she'd made a very important observation in a different domestic American context. She said that when they go low, we go high. And I think Prime Minister Modi's address today was one which was very expansive, very normative, and I think he outlined a vision, you know, which was appropriate, I think, for the global audience that he was addressing. Thank you so very much. Thank you. You were listening to a discussion on Prime Minister's address to the UN General Assembly. The participants were Commodore C. Uday Bhaskar, Defence Analyst. Nilova Roy Chaudhary, Journalist, initiated and moderated the discussion. This program was produced and presented by the News Services Division of All India Radio. You can also listen to this program on our website, newsonair.com. You may email your opinion about this program at airnsdtalks at gmail.com.